Hello everyone, and in this video we're going to be looking at the Omaha Class Light Cruisers. First of all, let's go into the 10 ships of the Omaha class. The first being obviously the Omaha, which was laid down on 6 December 1918, launched 14 December 1920, commissioned 24 February 1923, and decommissioned on 1 November of 1945. Ultimately, she was scrapped in February of 1946. The Milwaukee was laid down on 13 December 1918, launched 24 March 1921, commissioned 20th June 1923, decommissioned 16th March 1949, and ultimately sold for scrap in December of 1949. The Cincinnati was laid down on 15 May 1920, launched 23 May 1921, commissioned on the 1st of January 1924, decommissioned the 1st of November 1945, and scrapped in February of 1946. The Rally was laid down on 16 August 1920, launched 25th of October 1922, commissioned 6th February 1924, decommissioned 2nd November 1945, and scrapped February of 1946. The Detroit was laid down on 10 November 1920, launched 29 June of 1922, commissioned on 31 July 1923, decommissioned the 11th of January on 19, in 1946, and scrapped in February of 46. Richmond was laid down 16 February 1920, launched 29 September 1921, commissioned 2nd July 1923, decommissioned 21 December 1945, and sold for scrap in December of 46. Concord was laid down on the 29th of March 1920, launched 15 December of 1921, commissioned on 3 November 1923, and decommissioned on 12th December 1945, she was sold for scrap in January of 1947. The Trenton was laid down on 18th August 1920, launched 16th April 1923, commissioned on 19th April 1924, and decommissioned on 20th December 1945, ultimately being sold for scrap in December of 1946. Marblehead was laid down on the 4th of August 1920, launched 9 October 1923, commissioned 8 September 1924, decommissioned 1st November 1945 and sold for scrap in February of 1946. Finally, the Memphis was laid down on 14th October 1920, launched 17th April 1924, commissioned on 4 February 1925, decommissioned 17th December of 1945 and sold for scrap in December of 1947. For our characteristics, they have a standard displacement of 7,050 tons. Their dimensions are 550 feet for length. They have a beam of 55.4 feet and a draft of about 20 feet. Their top speed is around 34 knots. For propulsion, they have four Westinghouse reduction geared turbines driving four shafts, powered by 12 Yarrow boilers generating 90,000 shaft horsepower. At 15 knots, they range 10,000 nautical miles. For protection, they have 3 inches on the belt, 1.5 inches on the deck, and 2 inches on the turrets. They have a peacetime crew of 458. Now, the following is just a generic list of armament that does not represent any particular ship at any given time because the armament on these ships changed widely over their service lives. For example, some of the 6-inch guns and 21-inch torpedo tubes were removed, while the AA armament or anti-aircraft armament 
frequently changed in caliber and was increased. So generally speaking, they have 12, or later 10, 6-inch 53 caliber guns, four of them in twin turrets and eight in single casemates. They had two, later eight, 3-inch 50 caliber anti-aircraft guns, two 3-pounder guns, eight half-inch machine guns, 12 28mm 57 caliber machine guns, eight 20mm machine guns, six 40mm anti-aircraft guns, and 10, or later six, 21-inch torpedo tubes in two twin and two triple mounts. For design characteristics, at first glance, the Omahas do bear a striking resemblance to the four stacked Clemson-class destroyers, which they were designed to lead. U.S. naval construction prior to World War I emphasized battleships, battle cruisers, and scout cruisers. Subsequently, reports on the Battle of Jutland seem to indicate that battle cruisers were overrated. That being said, on 29 August 1916, the Senate authorized a three-year building program from fiscal year 17 to 19. This building program included 10 battleships, 6 battle cruisers, and 10 scouts. These scouts were to become the Omaha-class light cruisers. Around the same time that the General Board was considering designs for its battle cruisers, it laid down characteristics for the scout cruisers in December of 1915. The Board called for a cruiser with a displacement of around 8,000 tons, a speed greater than 30 knots, an endurance of 10,000 nautical miles, and a battery of 10 6-inch guns, arranged for maximum end on fire. For anti-aircraft guns, two heavy and two automatic, and two above-water torpedo tubes on each side. Additionally, it was to carry four aircraft. For armor, the design was to include three inches over the belt, one and a half inch over the deck to cover the machinery spaces. The chosen design described the Omahas as a quote-unquote big destroyer, with a displacement of 6,750 tons, a length of 550 feet, a beam of 51 feet, and a draft of 26 feet. The unique fitting of dual turret and single casemate guns was born out of a requirement for a maximum end-on and broadside fire arrangement. In this configuration, six guns could be fired directly ahead or astern, while eight could be presented in a broadside. The placement of the main armament was debated, and the Bureau of Construction and Repair, or CNR, even proposed a design that would would have four twin gun mounts on the centerline. However, the general board was skeptical of such an arrangement since it viewed centerline armament as more useful in capital ships than on scouts. Whereas capital ships were expected to fight in a line-ahead formation, scouts would have to deal with attacks from multiple directions simultaneously. Eventually, the Omahas would be completed with two twin mounts on the centerline in addition to their four broadside casemated guns. In service, the twin 6-inch 53 caliber gun was cramped, and it did not fire as quickly as two single guns. The two lower after-broadside guns were also found to be impossible to operate, even in moderate weather. By 1928, alterations to the Omahas included a reduction in the number of guns on most of the ships. This meant the lower after guns. By 1939, Marblehead had 10 guns, and only light cruisers 4, 5, 10, 11, and 13 had retained all 12 guns. The Omahas were envisioned to carry a sizable number of torpedoes, but the storage of reloads was considered hazardous. Moreover, in January of 1920, the Bureau of Ordnance, or Buord, opined that no reloads should be carried because, quote, the opportunity for their use will not arise often or be known beforehand. In battle, there will be no chance to reload, and in most types of weather, loading torpedoes would be extremely dangerous or, at any rate, quite impractical, end quote. Ultimately, it was decided to equip the Omahas with a total of 10 torpedoes in two triple mounts and two twin mounts. Following favorable tests on destroyers, cruisers 7 through 13 were fitted with hydrophones housed in 30-foot blisters, positioned roughly between frames 10 and 18 on each side. 
The original AA battery of two 3-inch 50 caliber guns was increased to four during construction. In 1938, the Concorde was fitted with two more 3-inch 50 caliber guns on her centerline aft while at Mare Island. These were considered useful because they could fire from right astern to well forward of the beam. Earlier in 1933, the Trenton was fitted with machine guns for defense against dive bombers. Already a tightly packed design, the Omahas turned out to be badly overloaded. They drew two feet more than their design figure and tended to heel over sharply when turning. This often flooded their main deck twin torpedo mounts. By 1924, all the COs of these ships and the Board of Inspection and Survey asked that the twin tubes be landed. The growth of the ship's complement from 330 to 425 also led to proposals for increased living space. Approved changes from the General Board included crew space housing in the after upper deck around the 6-inch guns, moving the galleys from the main deck to the upper deck, removing mine storage tracks between frames 112 and 120, and converting some of the warrant officers' mess spaces to crew accommodations. The main deck torpedo ports were sealed off, the mine tracks for the 224 mines were landed, although the capability to lay mines remained. Comparisons between the Omahas and the pre-World War I British cruisers such as the C-Class were favorable with the Omahas possessing slightly greater endurance, speed, and armament layout. Further development of the Omaha class was halted with the U.S. entry into World War I, especially with the passing of the Washington Naval Treaty in 1922, which would usher in the various treaty cruiser designs. In 1924, C&R admitted that these ships could not be made more comfortable in light of the size and heat that the machinery gave off. In 1929, a report by the commander-in-chief of the U.S. fleet mentioned that the Omahas were poorly insulated, too hot in the tropics, and too cold in the northern latitudes. Specifically, the absence of wood decks and awnings, as well as the lack of slop chutes and scuppers, made the ships uninhabitable and filthy in warm climates or during the summertime. The uncovered steel decks were unbearably hot. CNR noted that toilet arrangements were also unacceptable, with one head for 24 men compared to one per 16 as originally designed. Despite their issues, the Omahas were described as good sea boats, but even at moderate speed and in moderate seas, the fore and aft broadside gun compartments would flood with spray, and the torpedo compartments would flood with green water. There were complaints that the steering engines were not powerful enough, but the tactical diameter was considered satisfactory. The hulls also had a tendency to leak, and at high sustained speeds, the oil tanks would become contaminated with seawater. In one instance, the Richmond, steaming at 25 knots, lost power for 30 minutes. Upon their commissioning, the Omahas were the last broadside cruisers in the world. When completed, they were the fastest cruisers in the U.S. Navy. Although designed as scouts, they spent the interwar years leading destroyer flotillas. Tactical scouting became the purview of cruiser aircraft, and distant scouting was conducted by heavy cruisers of the scouting force. Thus, the distinction between screening and scouting that had been integral to the design of the Omahas was now irrelevant. In order to get more heavy AA guns aboard ships, CNR proposed in June of 1940 to convert the Omahas to anti-aircraft cruisers. This would have meant all 6-inch and 3-inch guns were to be replaced with 7 5-inch 25 caliber or 5-inch 38 caliber guns and 6 quadruple 1.1-inch guns. Various other proposals were batted around until it was decided that the mounting of the 5-inch 38 guns and the associated directors would have been impossible. In July of 1940, the General 
General Board ordered two of the three-inch guns replaced with quadruple 1.1-inch anti-aircraft guns, and the Omahas converted for anti-aircraft duty. The conning towers were removed, and an open bridge structure was built forward of the pilot house. The Mark 50 directors were installed to control the three-inch 50-caliber mounts, and by March of 1942, the AA battery was composed of seven three-inch 50s, two quadruple 1.1-inchers to be replaced by two twin 40-millimeter Bofors mounts, and eight 20mm guns. The main armament was reduced to 10 6-inch 53 caliber guns, with the lower aft guns removed on the Omaha, Milwaukee, Concord, Trenton, and Memphis. Further weight reduction involved removal of the machine gun platform on the foremast, as well as reduction in the number of boats and 6-inch gun ammunition. The ships underwent further armament modifications in 1943, but the Cincinnati was unique in that she had two single army type 40mm guns installed in place of her torpedo tube. By 1944, it was realized that little could be done to significantly improve the AA armament of the Omahas, given their age. Now for some of the operational histories of these ships, note that I'll only be covering just some highlights from certain ships of the class. For the most part, Omahas went through World War II in secondary roles, such as performing patrol duties in the South Atlantic, the Caribbean, and around South America. For the Omaha herself, cruiser number four, the Omaha spent much of the interwar year conducting fleet exercises in the Caribbean and patrolling off the western coast of the United States. While conducting neutrality patrols in the Atlantic on 6 November of 1941 with the destroyer Summers, she intercepted the German blockade runner Odenwald. After seizing the cargo of nearly 4,000 tons of rubber, members of Omaha's boarding party were each awarded $3,000 by the U.S. government several years later. This would be the last time that prize money was awarded to a U.S. Navy ship. Omaha would spend the next several years conducting convoy escort duties and interdicting German blockade runners in the South Atlantic between the coasts of Brazil and West Africa. She largely operated out of the port of Recife, Brazil. From 18 to 20th of May 1942, Omaha assisted in the salvage of the Commandante Lira, which had been torpedoed by the Italian submarine Barbarigo. After locating the Commandante Lira, Omaha's salvage team managed to save the ship, allowing her to be towed back to Fortaleza, Brazil. On 1 June 1942, Omaha rescued 40 survivors from the torpedoed Charlbury. On the 4th of January 1944, Omaha and Joyet sank the German blockade runner Rio Grande. The Marblehead would later rescue 72 survivors. The very next day, Omaha would sink the German blockade runner Bergenland in the same area that she encountered the Rio Grande. On 6 February 1944, while patrolling with Joyet and Memphis, Omaha rescued survivors from U-177, which had been sunk by a PV-4Y. -1 Liberator from Ascension Island. On 4 July 1944, Omaha departed for the Mediterranean Theater. She assisted in several bombardments during the invasion of southern France before returning to the South Atlantic in September. She would spend the next 10 months performing escort duties. On 8 July 1945, she assisted in the search and rescue of the Brazilian cruiser Bahia, which had been reportedly torpedoed by a submarine. However, an investigation determined that one of Bahia's gunners had accidentally fired into a rack of depth charges during an anti-aircraft gunnery exercise. Omaha returned to the United States in August and was decommissioned on 1 November 1945. Light cruiser number five, the Milwaukee, spent the interwar years cruising the Pacific and the Caribbean. She assisted the Omaha in the salvage of the Commandante Lira in May of 1942. On 21 November 1942, she, along with the cruiser Cincinnati and the destroyer Somers, intercepted the German blockade.
Blade Runner Annalise Eisenberger, which was masquerading as a Norwegian vessel. Giving chase, the crew scuttled the ship before they caught up with her. Milwaukee took 62 prisoners aboard. She patrolled in the South Atlantic until February 1944. In late February and early March, she escorted a convoy to Ireland. Later that month, she provided escort for convoys headed to Murmansk and Arkhangelsk. On 20th April 1944, she was transferred to the Soviet Navy under Lend-Lease and recommissioned as the Murmansk. She would continue convoy escort duties in the Atlantic for the remainder of the war until being transferred back to the United States on 16 March 1949, when she was finally decommissioned. Cruiser 7, the Raleigh. During the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, the Raleigh was moored in berth F-12 on the east side of the North Channel. In the first attack wave, a torpedo hit Raleigh portside amidships. The explosion tore through her number two boiler room. Both forward boiler rooms and the forward engine room flooded. Additionally, a bomb from a dive bomber hit her aft, passed through three decks, missed her aviation gas tanks, and exploded in the water 100 yards from her. Thanks to the hard work of the crew who pumped out the water and jettisoned a great deal of topside weight, the ship was saved. Indeed, Bureau of Ships believed that the ship would have been lost. Amazingly, only a few crew members were wounded. After some repairs, she departed Pearl Harbor on 21 February 1942 for Mare Island. Following further repairs and overhaul, she spent the rest of 1942 escorting convoys around the Pacific and searching for enemy picket ships. From November 1942, she began patrolling around Alaskan waters, around Dutch Harbor and Kiska. On 2 August, she participated in the bombardment of Kiska. In February 1944, she would also bombard positions in Kurabuzaki, Paramushiru, and the Northern Kurals. The remainder of her career was fairly uneventful, and she was decommissioned on 2 November 1945. Like the Raleigh, Detroit was present at Pearl Harbor during the Japanese attack. However, she was able to get underway and contribute to the anti-aircraft defense of the harbor. After the attack, she searched the western shore of Oahu for possible Japanese landings and then for any retiring Japanese forces. In the following days, she escorted convoys between Hawaii and the west coast. On one such journey, she carried 9 tons of gold and 13 tons of silver from the submarine USS Trout that had been evacuated from Corregidor following the Japanese invasion of the Philippines. She then delivered this bullion to the Treasury Department in San Francisco. On 10 November 1942, Detroit sailed for Kodiak, Alaska to become the flagship of Task Group 8.6 which patrolled between Attic and Attu to prevent further Japanese seizure of the Aleutians. In April and May of 1943, she supported the capture of Attu, and then in August, she bombarded Kiska. However, the Japanese had already evacuated the island. In June of 1944, she bombarded installations in the Kuriles with Task Force 94. In February of 45, she served as the flagship for the replenishment group of the 5th Fleet at Ulithi. She would continue to oversee replenishment operations following the end of the war, and was decommissioned on 11 January 1946. On 7 December 1941, the Richmond was en route to Valparaiso, Chile, when she was recalled and patrolled off Panama to escort convoys coming in from the Society and Galapagos Islands. In January of 1943, she headed for the Aleutians, where she became the flagship of Task Group 16.6, which defended the approaches to Amchitka. She would later participate in the bombardment of Attu. On 27 March 1943, the Japanese mounted an attempt at resupplying the Aleutian Islands. Three transports were escorted by the heavy cruisers Nachi and Maya, the light cruisers Tama and Abakuba, and the destroyers Wakaba, Hatsushimo, Ikazuchi, and Inazuma. In contrast, the American force was composed of the heavy cruiser Salt Lake City, the light cruiser Richmond, and the destroyers Coughlin, Bailey, Dale, and Monaghan. Sending the transports and one destroyer ahead, the Japanese and Americans were about to make contact. At about 180 miles west of Attu and 100 miles south of the Komandorsky Islands, the two forces met. While the Richmond was initially fired upon, the Japanese shifted their fire to the Salt Lake City. In a running battle, the Salt Lake City was disabled 
disabled and dead in the water. Richmond assisted her while the American destroyers closed on the Japanese for a torpedo attack. The Japanese, low on fuel and ammo, failed to realize that they outgunned the American force and turned west to retreat. The Japanese transports similarly turned back before reaching Attu. While the battle was tactically inconclusive, the Americans had succeeded in preventing the Japanese from resupplying Attu, which was retaken in May. In July, Richmond participated in the pre-invasion bombardment of Kiska, only to later discover that the island was abandoned. After a brief refit at Mare Island, Richmond continued to patrol the Aleutians for the remainder of the year. In January of 1944, she bombarded installations in the corrals and conducted anti-shipping patrols for the rest of the war. She was decommissioned on 21 December 1945. From June of 1939 to May of 1940, Trenton patrolled around the Mediterranean and off the coast of the Iberian Peninsula to protect U.S. interests during the Spanish Civil War. During her return home, she carried Luxembourg's royal family that was fleeing the Nazis at the time. From 1941 to mid-1944, she operated as part of the Southeast Pacific Force. During this time, she escorted convoys and patrolled off the western coast of South America between the Panama Canal and the Strait of Magellan. In July of 1944, Trenton headed north for duty in the Aleutians. She made several patrols to the corrals and bombarded Parmashiru on 3 January 1945 before resuming patrols around Alaska for the remainder of the war. In 1945, she periodically made patrols to the corrals to bombard Parmashiru and Matsua, and she was decommissioned on 20th December 1945. In 1938, the Marblehead was assigned to the Asiatic Fleet in Cavite, Philippines. She patrolled around the Sea of Japan and the South and East China Seas as tensions rose in Asia. Upon the outbreak of the Pacific War, the Marblehead joined with the Royal Netherlands Navy and Royal Australian Navy ships to cover Allied shipping withdrawing from the Japanese invasion of the Philippines. On 24 January 1944, the Marblehead covered the withdrawal of a Dutch and American force that had attacked a Japanese convoy at Balikpapan. Later, on 4 February 1942, while attempting to interdict further Japanese forces in the Makassar Strait, the force was attacked by 30 36 Japanese bombers. Although managing to evade several waves, Marblehead was hit by two 100-kilogram bombs. One struck aft near her steering gear, and the other hit her between the bridge and the fore funnel. Oil fires broke out and were extinguished, but her rudder jammed, causing her to perpetually circle to port at 25 knots for three hours, during which she heeled over to starboard. Additionally, a near miss off the bow ruptured the hull plating and caused significant flooding in her bow compartments, and meant that the ship had to be retrimmed by removing oil in order to maneuver. The crew eventually managed to get her rudder back to 9 degrees left and steer her by varying the speed of her engines. The damaged Marblehood then began a more than 16,000 mile journey back to New York via Ceylon, South Africa, and Brazil, making intermittent repairs along the way. She finally arrived in Brooklyn Navy Yard on 4 May after a nearly three month long journey where she went directly into dry dock. On 15 October 1942, the repaired Marblehead joined the South Atlantic Force and operated from Recife and Bahia, Brazil. She she then operated in the North Atlantic on convoy duty from February to July of 1944, after which she sailed to the Mediterranean to support Operation Anvil. From the 15th to 17th of August, she bombarded positions around St. Raphael. She later returned to the U.S. and was decommissioned on 1 November of 1945. In summation, throughout World War II, the Omahas were found to be lacking in effective anti-aircraft fire control despite the increase in anti-aircraft armament. The subdivision was also poor and the low freeboard and fine run meant that the ships possessed little reserve buoyancy. Given their already overloaded state, several ships had their catapults removed and the class did not receive much in the way of modernization. However, the anti-aircraft armament was increased with the mounting of 20mm and 40mm guns and radar. No Omaha cruisers were lost during the war. Ultimately, the Omaha-class cruisers were relics of an era when cruisers still acted as the scouting eyes of the battle line.
line. It has been noted that the Omahas were not designed with the same level of subdivision as newer cruisers. Indeed, they lacked watertight bulkheads above the main deck. Their age and riveted construction, not to mention poor anti-aircraft fire control, were also factors that worked against them. No other U.S. cruisers suffered so badly to such small bombs. The survival of these ships is therefore a testament to the determination of their crews. By the time World War II ended, these vessels were of a completely obsolete design.